Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with John Rogan. Thanks for joining us, John. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. John is the... The Senior Vice President for the East Region of Sujeti. A little complicated. John, why don't you tell our listeners how you got there? So um, I'm raised in Cincinnati. I, um, after high school, attended Purdue University, co-opted Cincinnati Millicron at the time at the early 80s. And so Sensei Millicron brought me back to Cincinnati and was able to get started in their software department, writing software, managing software projects, which opened up a lot of opportunities in the technology business. After getting my MBA from Xavier University, went to a small startup company called Access Corporation. They were in the very beginning of the digital imaging uh, engineering change control software business. Had the good fortune of working with them for a period of time and then Enjoyed the client-facing part of it so much and the technology part of it so much and the sales aspect of it that I had an opportunity to come join the organization I'm currently at, where I enjoyed a great sales career, a very enjoyable sales career. That led into management roles, uh, running an office in Cincinnati and then the west region of the United States and now most recently the east region of the United States. How many years have you been with Zagetti? Uh, just... Um, Completed the 21st year with with Sojeti, and it's been a fantastic experience. It's a it's a uh, French owned company, so we're headquartered in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, but we have operations around the world. Um, we're about 120,000 employees, 13 billion euro company. Mm. So globally, very large company, part of the Capgemini Group. Sojeti is a business operation within the Capgemini Group, and the Sojeti brand within the Capgemini Group is one where we have local offices but we have a global reach. And we, that our tagline, if anybody is familiar with the company, is local touch, global reach. And by the way, the, pronouncing the company is also something that a lot of people have challenges with, but it's Sojeti is actually uh, an acronym, a French acronym for IT services company. So it's an acronym, um, and it's pronounced Sojeti. Sojeti. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah. What, what motivated you to take the jump from the uh, execution of IT projects to the role of selling IT projects. Yeah, so I enjoy both very much, and I have a lot of experience experience uh, doing both. But you know, as I as I kind of understood who I was a little bit, and also kind of what was the exciting part of what I did on a day and day day in and day out basis, it was really the notion of the time that I spent with a client, both a current client or a prospect, getting to know them, getting to know their business, understanding their business problems. And thinking about how I could go about creatively bringing a value proposition 
that helped them move the dial on their business. And it was that whole kind of discovery and creative side of it. And almost every day was a little bit of a new day, that experience. And, you know, of course, you know, in sales too, if you do a good job, it's a very, um, it can be a very lucrative profession. Mm-hmm. And very, I have no shame in saying that that was a big motivator for me as well. Um, but I think most importantly was that that creative side of meeting people, understanding their business problems, and then going back into what was a, what is still a very talented group of people that I work with, and being able to bring a value proposition forward that helped move the dial on their business. Mm-hmm. So you manage both the delivery side and the sales side. So in in the current role, I'm running a region, and in that region, I have sales responsibility and delivery and operations responsibility. So I have both. But one of the things about Sojeti and really the the, the global company we work for is we've done a lot of industrialization of our delivery and our operations so that a manager like myself and the salespeople that work for me, our real primary responsibility is delivering value to our clients, delivering solutions, but we have the good fortune of working for a company that's very industrialized in how we run the business. So it really frees us up to spend more client-facing time and frees us up of some of the things that maybe slow you down in execution because we do that very well. We have we have over 40,000 associates in India uh, who deliver, you know, kind of, again, industrialized solutions, centers of excellence, um, so that we have a lot of um, you know, different different levers to use in the market. So my responsibility primarily is client-facing. The, the other big part of it, too, is talent acquisition. Uh, Mike, we work in an a, IT services business today is about being different. Mm-hmm. It's about evolving. It's about transforming. And it's about winning the talent war. It's whoever has the most talent in this business is the successful company. And by the way, that's what our clients expect of us. Mm-hmm. So how many people do you have here in the Cincinnati region? Uh, the Cincinnati, by the way, the Cincinnati is not a part of my operation uh, at the moment. I, I ran it for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold in it. I was a salesperson in it for eight years. It's currently not part of the East region. But actually, Cincinnati is our largest operation in the United States. No uh, we have the good fortune of having some fantastic clients here. Um, we have the good fortune of having a very mature operation and office, lots of tenure in the team here. Um, so it's a very big operation for us. Was Glenn Miller part of that team? Glenn, it's funny you bring up Glenn Miller's name. Glenn was um, Glenn is actually the person who hired me to this company back in 1993. Mm. And uh, in fact, I just saw Glenn the other day, and he's uh, all after retiring from Sojeta. He was our CEO when he retired. Mm-hmm. Um, he still lives in, up in uh, the Dayton area, by the way. He's now doing executive leadership um, for some select executives in town. So still plays a lot of basketball, still in incredibly good shape. Um, he grew up in the Xerox organization selling, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Fantastic guy and uh, the person, again, that hired me and taught me how to sell. That's great. I've got to think of having him on the show. <laughs> uh, put in a good word for me. Absolutely. Once upon a time, I talked to him. Uh, and uh, so you have the eastern region. Yes. Where does the east end? So um, when, I, when I describe the East region to people not familiar with our company, they kind of laugh at me that we must have failed the geography lesson at one point in time. Um, but the East region is Indianapolis to New York, down to Miami and back, that triangle. And, and just to kind of describe a little bit how we've organized the regions, 
uh, the Sojeti model is really built about trying to uh, our, our, we want our operations to be standalone cities. But from time to time, some of our smaller offices benefit from being part of a region where we can leverage talent across the region. So really, if I do my job effectively, I work myself out of a job because all of my operations get to a maturity level and an execution level that they can run without the management layer that, that I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I'm successful and I get a new job in the company. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. It's funny, you mentioned about the failing of the geography lesson. I once worked for an English company. Uh, it was called Cable and Wireless. We grew the company from five employees to almost a billion dollars. And uh, Cincinnati was the start of the West Coast. <laughs> I lived in L.A., and I had people working for me here in Cincinnati. Never dreamed then that I'd be working here now. Uh, what is the uh, reason that people buy uh, from Segetti? So... Um uh, probably the best way I can describe that, obviously, there's there's probably lots of different perspectives that our clients might give you. Um, but the way that I describe it is, firstly, we have a lot of tenure in our company. So mm. people that have been here, for, as an example, there are many people in the company that have been here longer than me. Mm. So our clients, firstly, buy from us because they trust us. Mm-hmm. They know us. Um, I always tell um, my team, when we run into a little bit of headwind with a client, we run into a little bit of a challenge. Um that's the be- most beautiful opportunity to build a relationship to last. So our clients buy from us because they have in the past. They trust us. And when we run into an issue, it gets resolved. That's one. Um, but secondly, and probably equally important, is we're very relevant. We stay very current with what our clients are trying to do in the IT services space. We know that what we did last year is not going to be sufficient this year. So our CEO, his name's Niven Gol, has built an organization in the U.S. that's very nimble, mm-hmm. um, that recognizes the need to evolve and change, and we've become extremely good at managing our internal change management so that when our clients, their IT services evolve, their IT needs evolve, we try to be relevant to that evolution in a very effective way while still bringing very cost-effective solutions. You know, the, in the IT services world today, it's a global world. Mm-hmm. The world, world became flat. Yep. And if you can't find a way to leverage those global solutions effectively for your clients, you're not going to be as relevant. And, and it's not just about labor arbitrage and who can do it cheapest, although economic value is certainly important. But it's more about being able to, uh, to reuse um, expertise uh, so that we're not always reinventing the wheel. So those are some of the kind of the, the aspects that make, uh, I, I believe, mm-hmm. our clients want to do business with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the uh, areas where, where you think you have a, a competitive advantage in, in what software areas or, or what's the newest software areas, why someone would be choosing your firm as opposed to one of the other IT firms in town? Yeah, well, what we've decided to do, and this is this probably goes back about, you know, I, I, you've been in the IT services business in the past, so you know that there's always the trends, the mega trends and, and, the, and the other trends, and, and it's important to be relevant in those areas. But we've taken a very uh, focused approach on not trying to be relevant in every area um, because there's just it's just too big of a space. Mm-hmm. So we've very carefully selected some areas to bring expertise. Um, we have about 10 different practice areas that, uh, which by the way is still a very big number, um, where we bring you know special expertise, special investment. 
uh, aligned with what we anticipate our clients' needs. As an example, um, business information, you know, data management, those those sorts of things that we know are very current. And if you can bring expertise there, those are the kinds of things that were taken to market very effectively. And by the way, if in a particular year, and we don't think of when we when I noticed one of the things you wanted to talk about was a long-term strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have a long-term view of where we want to where we want to go and where we think that the market's going. But again, we act very nimbly. You know, one year for us is, you know, we want to be able to kind of evolve on a kind of one-year cycle because that's how fast the market's moving. So we build capability. We build that in line with what our clients are asking mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. We're not a company that, that goes and invents something in a back room and tries to take it out to market and see if it flies. We're very much collaborating with our clients, their needs, what they're planning to do, and we try to leverage our global capabilities to be relevant in a local model to those needs. Good. John, we're going to take a a short commercial break here. We'll listen to a commercial. We'll be listening to Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club, the networking group that we sponsor here in Cincinnati. Jimmy, why don't you take it away? Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth with John Rogan from Segeti. Close enough on the pronunciation, Jan? Before this hour is over with, you're going to get it. It's so jetty. Think of so the, jetty. Think of jet versus the G. So jetty. There you go. Okay. I'm going to get it. John, lots of times when you talked about practice areas, uh, I think of things like CRM or I think of things like uh, Oracle or SAP. Uh, 
How do you guys think of practice areas? So, um, so some of the things you just mentioned, whether it's Oracle, SAP, those sorts of things, you know, those are product companies that mm-hmm. develop that develop a, a large suite of products. By the way, fantastic companies. We de- definitely work with them, and we, and we have a partner ecosystem. In fact, Microsoft and, and IBM are our two biggest alliance partners, but they're not our only ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- but those are product companies that we work with. They're very relevant in the market, and we need to be relevant around their products and solutions. But practices for us, really, it's not about the particular product solution. We tend to let our clients decide what product suite they want to work with. Um, and then once they've made that technology decision and if they want our help advising on what we see going on in the market, we'll certainly help them. But for us, pract- our practices are really how you go about implementing those products in a way that aligns with you know, business requirements, business strategy, and again, moves the dial for, for, our, for our, our customers. So for us, our, our, our solutions aren't uh, so much uh, focused on a particular product or software suite, but it's really helping our clients implement those for business value. Mm. Uh, my son-in-law, his company is a publicly held company, and they in the uh, you call it housewares business. Uh, they brought in SAP several years ago, and it was supposed to be a one-year implementation. It took closer to three. It was you know 250 percent of budget. I don't know who they used from the outside, but it certainly drove him crazy. <laughs> that, that, there's more. That, that's not the only story that uh, would would go that way. And and by the way, those are large, complex projects. There's lots of reasons why they go over budget. Um, not always the execution being wrong, but the, the the idea of getting the business and IT to get aligned around requirements. Um, and um, it's it's sometimes it looks easier easier on the way in mm-hmm. um, than getting it finally implemented for the companies. But um, I clearly. You know, when I looked at it after they made the decision to go into it, the complexity that it required was far greater uh, than they even knew about, and that was a a big reason. Lots of lots of times, companies want to hand on, hang on to their business processes that are working today because they think it's a differentiator in the market, and many times it probably is. But as to the extent that they want to bring their requirements forward into a big global rollout of a product like SAP means customization, which is incredibly expensive mm-hmm. um, versus taking perhaps practices that are already baked in the product suite and adopting those into your business. But it's never it's never as simple as I just described. That's for sure. It's a complex project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a unique market advantage that would differ- differentiate you from other companies in the market space that you're in? Oh, I don't. I think that might be a little bit, uh, again, for, for me to say that we're unique in a particular way. I, I like to let our clients tell us if we're unique in a particular way. I can tell you something that we, we do try to do that um, I don't know if it would necessarily be something I would say is differentiating, but it's certainly something that we try to do. And that is we are we have a real focus on not working with every client in the market. Okay, so what type of client would you say is not your your client? What kind of project is not your type of project? So, um, so so by the way, that's a very difficult question for me to answer. Keep in mind, we have 24 offices across the U.S. and each of those markets is a little different. But trying to answer it generally to, in try, general, to, yeah. to try to get to your point. I mean, we, we, we've worked with uh, people over at uh, Cisco, for instance. And at Cisco, uh, corporate deal, it's, if it's not a million dollars, they're not going to take it. Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's a, a simple off-the-shelf piece of, piece of hardware, 
probably ain't going to happen. Yeah, I think the way we look at it, by the way, thanks for giving me that context because it helps me kind of frame up an answer. We don't necessarily look at our clients based on the opportunity that's on the table at a point in time. The way that we try to line up with our clients is, can we have a relationship with this client where we can have regular access to the people that we're trying to deliver value to? So in any client relationship, we might be delivering a wide range of different services to them. So it's not so much the nature of the project or the particular sale that, that we use to differentiate or identify a target client. It's more of, is this client somebody who wants to work with us in a collaborative way? Um, you know, one of the tests, Mike, that we do is we have we, we leverage a concept called quarterly business reviews with our clients. And it requires an investment on their side to spend time with us on a quarterly basis, mm-hmm. doing some strategy, doing some planning, reviewing our activities, and those sorts of things. It's a real simple test. By the way, it's an executive alignment. Typically, you know, myself or even the CEO might attend. And it requires the client to invest time invest mm-hmm. and, in, and invest their intellectual capital in the exchange of information. Those are the kinds of clients that we that we work with. So if a client wants that kind of relationship with a partner, that's a good client for us. If we have a relationship with a client, it's primarily driven through perhaps you know a procurement department or a very commoditized kind of relationship. We tend to not be suited well in that environment as well. You know, we certainly have those kind of relationships too. So a company says, "Hey, I want a, a new quarter of a million dollar website with an SQL backend for." 15 million uh, uh, line items. Uh, That's not your type of project. Oh, no, no. That could very well be our type of project. Um, And especially if it's in a client where we have a um, an existing business relationship with. Oh. If it's a if it's a client that's requesting just something that where we don't have any existing business relationship, we know it's highly competitive. We could still be very interested in the work, but but I'm getting back to the question you had asked, which mm-hmm. is you know how do we differentiate ourselves with our clients and what kind of clients are our target clients for us? And it's those that want a long term relationship. Most of our clients across the United States and for that matter globally are clients where we have a five, ten, fifteen, twenty year kind of relationship where it's not a transactional relationship. It's something where both parties have decided the quality organizations, they want to work together, we share information, fairly transparent, mm-hmm. and and that's the type of type client kind of... Um, These almost sound like partnerships as opposed to vendor-client relationships. We love it when it kind of gets into that kind of a category. Mm-hmm. And is that mainly uh, publicly held companies and law, extremely large privately held companies? Yeah, we we do. Um, uh, so most most of our work is in um, is in, we we do some government type work and that sort of thing. But um, most of our work is in the the the, the sector you just described. Okay, good. Uh, what are the opportunities and possibilities that you see in in the uh, broad IT market over the next uh, one to five years? Ah, oh, man. It's, uh, so you don't have this kind of information for me. <laughs> I, just, I, I keep the crystal ball in the training room. No, no, it's by the way, it's I, I think it's exciting. It's it's um, it's uh, as I mentioned earlier in your show, it's um, it's something that we do. We plan for, you know, our planning cycle is annual because those kinds of kinds of things are are uh, are you know so fast moving and fast changing. Um, what, what yeah, I would I would say that though that you know there's a couple you know certainly everything that has to do with data. Mm-hmm. Is in, you, know, you know predictive analytics and those sorts of things cre- incredibly important. Security is is continuing to become more important, and how our clients deal with that and 
and continue to move the platforms, um, you know, to the consumer, but recognizing the need for security. You know, some certainly those are some uh, areas that are incredible. Yeah, there are some guys at Target who are sorry they didn't have better security. Well, they certainly opened up a lot of people's eyes to the need to to, to be a lot more prepared there, which is you know one of the great things that we all learn from what's going on in the market. Um, and I'm sure, Mike, there's going to be things that come you know, out there on the horizon one, two years down the road. Um, that We're all going to have different types of credit cards, huh? The days of the magnetic stripe are gone. It's going to be interesting. Okay, okay. Where are uh, your, your prospective clients looking now if they're not looking at you? Just from a like, com- competitive landscape? From a competitive landscape. What does it really look like? Um, you know, so I'm not here to talk about our competitors so much, but um, I think that I think um, our clients are making strategic decisions to focus on their business and what their core competencies are. Um, it's interesting. You probably read the business section in the Sunday paper this weekend about what Procter Gamble is doing around supply chain, as an example. And you know, our clients and perhaps some of our listeners haven't. Quick summary. Well, I'll leave it to them to, 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 to research it. But, but that, using that as an example, many of our clients are, you know, you know looking about what their core competencies are, mm-hmm. focus on, on, on putting the emphasis on that area, and um, working with partners like Sojeti, who bring um, some um, um, specific capability that allows our clients to entrust us with that service, delivering that business value to their client so that they can clearly move away and focus on the things that matter for them out of that side of that service. So it's really, it's, I, I think our clients are really kind of finding a way to leverage their um, employees and their assets in their strategic best interest and finding one, two, three partners that they can work with that can really take some, some of the strategic areas out of their business and still provide that service back by way, in a long-term fashion. So, again, I used the word transaction earlier in our discussion. I think our clients are increasingly understanding that if they can work with us to deliver a service versus a specific transaction, it allows us to invest. It allows them to have higher expectations, Mm -hmm. perhaps in the form of service levels, um, that can really be a collaborative um, situation that works out very well for both of us. Is that an advanced form of outsourcing uh, IT functionality? Yeah, you know, outsourcing is is a, actually to me outsourcing is a little bit of an old word. Um, and by the way, it was a very relevant word, and still is, by the way, very relevant word. But um, and then by the way, this might just be my personal opinion, not necessarily a Sojeti opinion. But um, the notion of outsourcing is, I think our clients are more interested in in receiving. Um, predictable services, mm-hmm. um, and and um, and that's how I look at it versus just just outsourcing. I think I think managed services, predicted services, are, are is a little bit more of what our clients are looking for today. Good, thanks, John. Uh, we're going to take a, a a short commercial break here, and we're going to listen to a Sandler rule. Hi, this is Matthew Newberger with Sandler Training, and I'm here to share Sandler rule number 11, money does grow on trees. Now, if you were to think conceptually for a second, there are three main components to this. 
One is, is you have to grow your referral network so you don't start from scratch every time you want to develop a client. Two, you have to build branches onto your referral tree. And third, you have to water that tree to keep it healthy. So, the reality today is that it is really hard to start the sales process over and over again from scratch. And there really is a better way. Most of us know it, we just don't follow it. So if you can imagine for a second taking a piece of paper, drawing a vertical line down the center and putting a horizontal line at the bottom, this would be the base of your tree. Every time you add a client, you are adding a branch to that tree. Each branch can sprout more branches. This becomes your referral tree. Somebody who's a professional at what they do understands the simple concept that every time they add a customer, they ask that customer for a referral. And when they get that referral, the next thing they do is they make sure that they take that referral from cool to warm based on the relationship with their existing customer. They take that opportunity, they close that opportunity, they ask for another referral. They take that referral, build off the relationship with the client, and take that referral opportunity from cool to warm to hot. And it's actually something that's really great to see. You watch this tree blossom and you watch this salesperson blossom as well into a very mature professional salesperson. Remember, money does grow on trees. Referral tree. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with John Rogan from Sugeti. I'm getting closer. Uh, so, so Jenny, but uh, so Jenny. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Okay. Uh, I don't have the French accent on, you know. Now, did they make you learn French? You know, I had the really good fortune in 1998 of going, a company is a huge believer in training. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you are too, because I, I, by the way, I love your tagline around training. Um, but I had the good fortune in 1998 of going to our, um, um, our uh, training facility in Paris to go through a Capgemini International Business School where you did everything from diversity training to leadership skills and that sort of thing. And it was my goal to learn French at that time. And, and I, I have to admit, I failed miserably at it. I, I can, I can, I have some words that I can use, but I'm not very good beyond that. Is there a corporate language? English. English. Yep. Interesting. Good. So all around the world. Oh, yeah. Now, Sketty uses English. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, if, so in, if you were in an office in Paris, they would certainly be speaking French primarily, but our, our corporate language is English. Hmm. So if we were in an office in Japan, it would be English too? Um, yes. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Uh, you've had... How many years of uh, management experience now, John? Uh, 31 years. I'm getting very old. You don't look that old. 31. Just getting a little bit of experience. Uh, Perhaps you could give our listeners a leadership tip, something that you've learned that works. So, um, by the way, this is probably a simpler answer than you were looking for. But for me, um, one of the things I learned while I was actually with Sojeti, we had a CEO. He had he had he asked two things of people, and he and he, and he committed those same things back in return. One was that he was going to grow the company double digits with a two in front of it, and um, and he successfully did. And secondly, is um, say what you, uh, do what you say, say what you do. And so it was real real simple kind of um, wisdom, but um, it was basically you know. Do, do what you say. That's good. Yeah, that's good. 
another question that I like to ask CEOs uh, and company presidents like yourself is, uh, we have a theory of operation here at uh, Roth & Associates uh, that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Perhaps you could share a complex problem with our listeners that you ran into uh, that you developed a complex solution for that might be transferable to another business or industry. Yes. So, um, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in, actually in simple solutions, just so you, so you know when you, oh, when you get to I, I'll, I'll tell you the fast story of how we came up with that theory many years ago when we were selling privately owned pay telephones in Las Vegas, and we put out 400 of them on 7-Eleven stores in June. And they started failing like flies uh, because it turned out inside the exterior enclosure of a black pay telephone, it got extremely warm. And the manufacturer's chipset was consumer grade when we needed mill spec. My simple solution was put fans in. Uh, My chief engineer said, nice solution, Mike, won't work long term. We need mill spec chips. (laughs) And we we struggled that that, that, that June and July until we got mill mill spec chips. Simple solutions don't always work. Yeah. So, um, but getting back to your to the question you posed to me, so, um, you know, in our business, I mentioned this too, I think, before we started the show, and I'll kind of reiterate now, one of the one of the absolute key parts of our business is talent acquisition, talent retention. You know, building a company that very bright people want to come work at, and those talented, experienced, bright people want to continue working at. And to the extent you can do this, so that's the complex problem. That is a complex problem in the IT services business because all of our employees could realistically have a job tomorrow at a different company for making a few dollars more, without question. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's that kind of a competitive world. Are, we, are you in a hiring mode? Oh, absolutely. At what percentage of increase or numbers of people do you think you could you could absorb? We would hire every talented person with a good you know, computer science, MIS, engineering degree that we could. I mean, it's it's that kind of a battle for talent. But the the solution to that, and by the way, we haven't solved the problem. Um, but the solution that that we've we've tried to implement, and that I, I'm a big believer in, is is firstly having a very transparent company. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to have a, a company that is flat, not a lot of hierarchy, bureaucracy. You know, bright people want to work in that kind of a kind of a transparent and exciting environment. And then providing everybody an access to um, to you know you know be part of the company, whether that's in the form of incentive programs, whether that's in you know having a voice to the CEO about what they think we should be doing tomorrow. So um, we've I think what we've taken is a complex problem, which is retaining, hiring, and growing talent in the in this in this IT services space. And the solution that we've implemented to do that is literally the nature of our organization, making sure that it's transparent, that it's flat, that everybody feels like they have um, they have a role and they have a say in what our direction is, and, and, and specifically their ability to, man- to be self-managed in their career development. Mm-hmm. Every one of our consultants, every one of our employees has the ability to f- define what their plan is in a career, and they're empowered to go do that to the extent that they can. Mm-hmm. Do you have an internal recruiting department, or do you outsource that? No, it's our recruiting department is is one of our is one of our most important assets, um, and all of our offices have recruiters as well as uh, our corporate operation, and they're extremely good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what motivates you to make tough business decisions? 
So when so when I talk to my managers about their responsibility, so we have a manager in each one of our offices. It's funny you ask this question because I was just just onboarded a new manager last week, and and my message to him was, making perfect decisions is too timely and too costly. You have to make very 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 good decisions, and you have to make them very quickly. So so for me, it's it's about being experienced enough to make smart decisions. Um, and recognizing that if you make a bad one, you learn from it. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with people in my organization, and for that extent myself, making a bad decision, so long as they don't make the same bad decision twice. So it's, it's making decisions quickly. Hopefully, a high percentage of them are really good decisions. And for those that aren't, fail fast and, and learn from that experience so that you can make a smarter decision tomorrow. Oh, that's good. Give people the opportunity to make decisions. Absolutely. Sandler always said, make a, a decision in 30 seconds. Absolutely. Uh, uh, key components to growth uh, are people, process, and strategy. Perhaps you could talk for a moment about each one of those three. Yes. Yeah, so um, the people part, I think we've actually talked a little bit about already. It's the notion of creating an environment where people want to come to work and that people are here who want to stay here. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, our, our people are, you know, it's, uh, I think one of the, one of the things our company likes to talk a lot about is that results matter. Uh, no results count. People matter. You know, so, that, so it's that kind of a, kind of a mentality around that. Um, but, um, you know, from a process and a strategy standpoint, it's really, again, getting back to, I think I talked about, you know, kind of what makes a good client for us. And I, I talked about this ability to have a collaborative client. Um, for us, we kind of think of that as we have a term for it called account centricity. Mm-hmm. And it's the notion of having a smaller number of clients, but for those clients that we decide to work with and they decide to work with us, being relevant. You know, being, being in a situation where we're relevant to our client and our client views us as being relevant. And then from a strategy standpoint, it's, it's literally making sure that you have a plan, making sure that you continue to evolve that from a strategic standpoint so that you're relevant year after year after year. And, and just, again, recognizing that what you did last year is important from a building block standpoint, but it has to evolve to be relevant and stay current in the IT services business. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything special in your facilities uh, for your employees? Oh, yeah, we uh, we uh, basketball courts, fire poles, uh, we, we, it's strange not, conference room names. It's not quite that. Well, you might find the odd ping pong table or foosball table in some of the offices, but um, we care a lot, a lot about our DNA and a lot about our culture and a lot about our community. Um, so, as an example, right now we have a pro- program going on called Summer of Service, where all of our offices have an HR manager. And that HR manager is working with our employees to identify certain um, things that they could be doing in the community to give back. Community service. Community service. And um, we make a big deal out of it, Um, not because uh, it's artificial, but it's because it's real. And it's what helps kind of create the DNA and the culture that kind of goes back to what I was talking about um, before around, you know, having that kind of retention idea of, you you know, what do human beings, what kind of company do they want to be a part of? So that's one of the things we do. Hmm. I got to invite you to come down to one of the Rotary Club meetings downtown Cincinnati. Absolutely. Uh, we, we do a lot for the community. We have 300 members, and uh, I don't think we have any companies in your space. Um, I'd love to do that. Any Thursday for lunchtime. We're going to take a uh, another short commercial break here, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring? A salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? 
Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits, and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with John Rogaine from. Uh, I did that again. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with John Rogan from Sogetti. So Jetty, Mike, uh, trust me, I'm going. I am going to get you doing this correctly. So Jetty, yeah, but you have to put me through so Jetty pronunciation school. But the good news is, once you get it, you're never going to forget it. Now, so Jetty. Uh, do you have a vision for your group, John, of where you're going to be a year from now, two years from now? Well, so um, just and, and just kind of going back to something we talked about earlier, keep in mind, again, I'm not the CEO of the company. There's a very bright guy that sits up in, in Dayton, Ohio, who's the, who's the Sojeti CEO for the U.S., and that's his role. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, we have a very collaborative inv- uh, group of managers that provide input into that. And I, I would, I, I couldn't, Mike, I couldn't um, describe to you what we will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can tell you is that uh, directionally, um, we're trying to continue to build solutions and and practice capabilities that are relevant to our clients, and especially the clients that that are we're serving today. Um, and increasingly, you know, of course, staying very relevant to that and the trends that are happening in the marketplace. That's great. Relative to the clients you're serving today, what are the top three things they would say about your corporate culture? Um, so it's a, it's a big group of companies. So the answer might be, by the way, on that topic, let me, let me explain something we do as a company. We have a quality um, reporting system where our clients give us feedback on every activity we're doing with them. It's a very formal um, set of dashboards and diagnostics where we solicit their feedback and they score us Mm. in in the categories that they've decided are important to them. It's something we've been doing for 20 years as as an IT services organization. So this isn't something we do casually. We do it very formally. Um, You know, that's one. But, you know, getting back maybe to a more general topic on on uh, answer to the to the question you ask about what our clients might say about us, um, I think they say I think they would say that um, that we do um, what we say we're going to do. That would be one. I think they would say that uh, we are very invested 
in a positive business outcome that's in our both our company's best interest. Um, and I think uh, maybe thirdly is that we're very easy to do business with. We don't try to be complicated. Um, you know, certainly there's fiduciary responsibilities. We have contractual responsibilities. We have as a public company. Um, but at the end of the day, we try to be nimble. We try to be easy to do business with. Um, and um, and that, that would probably be my answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you indicated earlier that your CEO uh, several years ago said he wanted a 20-plus annual growth rate. Uh, that's kind of tough to continuously achieve, especially in the IT world. Um, how effective uh, have you guys been in meeting your objectives every year? Well, so we're a public company, so anybody can go out there and, and see, see those results. But um, I would say that uh, you know the, the 2x kind of growth is something that um, is, is a very lofty goal. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's something that um, – I'd say it's hard. Yeah, yeah. But but I would say that um, you know, again, financial results are public company. Everybody go look at that. But I'd say we've been very successful in continuing to grow our business uh, on a year-over-year basis and um, deliver value to our shareholders and our clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have turnover in your sales department? Uh, we we do, of course. Um, we have. Um, we have, a, we have kind of an interesting approach to managing our sales team. Something you probably really enjoy taking a look at is, is um, we 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 publish our all of our a all of our salespeople in a dashboard on a on a monthly basis, um, force rank from top to bottom based on results, and um, I would say that the top portion of that is that there's a high tenure and incredible capability there, and the bottom section it tends to be perhaps. People that have moved into the organization more recently. New guys, yeah. And, ladies, yeah. and for those people that um, that perform well, they they tend to be highly rewarded and stay around for a long time. And and of course, like any good sales um, company, we we manage out under performers. That said, hiring a salesperson is incredibly hard. Um, getting them effective is incredibly hard. So our focus is to try to have high retention in our sales team, but have those people be high performers. We invest a lot, again, in training our salespeople, sales management, equipping them with tools so they can be effective in the clients. Mm -hmm. And um, so our sales culture is one of trying to manage people to be more effective salespeople um, versus having a lot of turnover in our sales team. So over the years, you guys have been involved with Sandler Training. Uh, Are you still currently involved? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be adopting the new Sandler enterprise selling model, or have you seen it? Um, I, th- I think I have seen it, by the way, and I think there are some parts of that that we are adopting, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. That's the 12-step process with 20 tools. I thought it might have been developed for a company like yours. Are there any changes that, that you would like to see that you could make that would help ensure your success as a company? Hmm. You know, I, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, one of the things I love about this industry is, and I love about our company is that I always feel like um, our future is completely in our control. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't necessarily describe to you the one or two or three things that we have to do other than some of the things I've, I've kind of uh, talked about today. As For some as- company, it means opening an office in a new city. Uh, for some, some companies, it means... Uh, Changing the deployment of staff. Yeah, so you know, so you know, what we 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 will we do do 
obviously we have organic growth and from time to time there is some sort of inorganic growth that we that we do as a company to grow um and so i i don't want to necessarily talk about those things too much here today um but you know um the, the notion of being relevant in other markets is something that's always kind of interesting to us um and but more importantly is our focus is being uh, is is much more important about being more relevant in the markets we're already serving. You know, that's really kind of comes back to you know who we are as a company. Uh, we're a company building long-term relationships um, versus trying to go out there and and necessarily open a new market. Although that's always something that we would consider. Mm-hmm. So uh, you don't. It sounds like you don't do very much acquisition of other companies to to gain market share. The, co- the company uh, again, public company. All mm-hmm. that you you can see all, everything we've done there. We we've do- we've done many acquisitions in the life of our company. We will certainly, uh, in all likelihood, do acquisitions in the future. Uh, that's not something I have responsibility for, so I'm not real connected with that particular strategy mm-hmm. in the market. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it's it's something that an IT services company is always considering, and in fact, our history says we do it quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of IT companies and and users are have been migrating to the cloud quotation marks over the past several years. Is that something that you help your clients in? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, with our the technology partners that I mentioned earlier, Microsoft and IBM, we we work very closely with them on their strategies for the cloud, and certainly our clients are going to be looking at that. Um, um, on an increasing basis to virtual, virtualize environments and those sorts of things. Um, and it's something that um, we're relevant in and will continue to be relevant in, and it's, it's here to stay. It's part, of, it's part of the IT ecosystem for sure. Okay. For some of our listeners who may not be aware of the dramatic advantages of moving to the cloud, perhaps you could share some. Well, I, I'm not a cloud strategist, and I'm not about to try to expose my ignorance in that area. But um, no, it's it's just the, uh, again the ability to do more with less. Um, you know, it's very expensive for companies to make the massive uh, infrastructure investments that are necessary, and and you know, end of life on various products, and you know how to manage that extremely costly environment, especially in the in the mid market type companies, but certainly in, in in the large companies as well. So you know, there's lots of strategies around around cloud, and increasingly, um, you know, most of our clients are at least evaluating it, if not moving boldly in that direction. Mm-hmm. And that means that they are going to be moving uh, hardware off of their premise up into the cloud. That's that's certainly one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Is, is there another significant one that I'm missing? Well, there's there's uh, you know around software licensing and different things. There's 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 many dimensions. I mean, take an example. You know, uh, companies in in cyclical businesses where they have uh, you take retail companies an example that have huge um, uh, cycles in their business model where there's moments where they need you know you know incredible infrastructure and there's other parts of the year where they need very minimal. You know, it's that ability to be adaptable, um, still service the needs of those peak environments. And that's just one example for sure, one industry sure. vertical. But it's not just about the hardware. It's not just about the software. But it's how do you align the cloud and some of the levers that that provides you to address unique aspects of various industries and companies within those industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati market's been noted for having a large number of logistics companies. Are you guys active in the logistics industry? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, again, I don't want to go into too many of our too, too many much much of I'm not asking clients. you for the names of clients. Yeah, yeah. 
but it, 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 that's something that, that you guys would be involved with? Sure. Okay. By the way, not just in Cincinnati, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, certain newspapers have kind of characterized us as a logistics center recently, and we do have a lot of logistics companies uh, of, of all different qualities and types. Uh, what is the uh, image that you want outsiders to, to see for your company, Segeti? The image for outsiders to see? Someone who's not a, a, a client that you haven't built a 5, 10, or 20-year relationship with. Uh, what's the image that, that, they should, that you would like to project of your company? Um, so um, I don't know if this is the answer, the kind of answer you're looking for, but I'll take a shot at it. It's a company that is very invested in the local market. Mm-hmm. We have physical offices in all the markets we serve, who hires talented people from that market and into that market. Mm-hmm. Serves our, we serve our clients very, very client-facing with proximity, um, but has the ability to leverage a global company of. You know, as I mentioned, 120, 130,000 people, and the rich capability that brings forward. Um, so that I, I, that would be my answer. But but somebody who is who is we, we like to talk. We like to talk about our 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 employees when they go to visit a client. They typically go to visit the client in their car. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not flying in on an airplane on Monday and flying out on a Friday. Certainly, that happens. By the way, don't get me wrong. Um, but more 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 than that, we're talking about people who are living, working in the market, when you go to the, your kid's soccer game on a Saturday, you're likely to run into the same person that's coming and helping you with your SharePoint deployment on Monday. Okay. This next question may get cut out of the show. Uh, can you contrast and compare your company to the Asian Indian company, Tata? Um, so, uh, by the way, it's a great company. Mm-hmm. Um and and I, I won't try to contrast myself with Tata specifically, but in generally the companies we would call that, uh, you know, an, an you know Indian IT consulting company. Um, the uh, firstly, from a capability standpoint, that's that's a great company, and companies that uh, have that model are typically have really great capabilities. Uh, but the way that I would contrast ourselves to that is again, I, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, we're a local company that has global reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and that's that's the biggest contrast. Um, our our the way that we engage with our clients is locally. Mm-hmm. We have the same capability to leverage a tremendous offshore capability. Not just India, by the way. It could be China. It could be it could be South America. It could be Mexico. So um, if I had a company based in America that was manufacturing in China and in Malaysia, uh, your type of company might be a better support company for an IT partnership. Well, I think we absolutely would be. In fact, that company you just described, we have a company that has very similar profile to that that we're serving very well. Okay, good, good. Uh, do you have any last thoughts, John, before we wrap the show up? No, uh, Mike, I, I, by the way, I appreciate the invitation. I really wasn't sure what we were going to do today, but it's been an interesting conversation. Um, um, and by the way, just just so everybody knows, I'm, and I think I mentioned to this in one of the seminars we were together at, a huge believer in Sandler training. Um, I was I was fortunate enough to go through some of that training. I, I still practice it today and and try to pass that on to uh, the salespeople that are in my responsibility. But I appreciate also having the opportunity to talk a little bit about Sojeti. Um, Sojeti is a great IT consulting company, um, very significant presence here in Cincinnati, but also in, across the U.S. and globally for that matter. And so it's uh, it's 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 been it's been uh, nice to be able to talk a little bit about that. 
and have this radio experience with you, and I wish you the very best. Good. John, I'm going to be giving you a copy of uh, one of the new Sandler books, The uh, Trans- Transforming Leaders, The Sandler Way by Dave Arch. And uh, read through the book and let me know what you think of it. Absolutely, I will. Thank you very much. Thanks again for being on. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at mikeroth at rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.